This episode is sponsored by our friends at YCharts. Thousands of financial advisors, asset managers, and investors rely on YCharts to develop insights, make smarter investment decisions, and effectively communicate with prospects and clients. With industry-leading tools, you're empowered to create compelling visuals that emphasize the strengths of your investment strategies. For more information, start a free trial at YCharts.com or follow on Twitter at YCharts. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the 7 Investing Podcast. Greetings, fellow investors. I'm Matthew Cochran, a lead advisor with Seven Investing. And today I'm joined by my co-lead advisor, Anirban Mahanti. Anirban, how are you doing? I'm very good. It's nice and bright and not too hot, not too cold. So I'm very happy. All right. Excellent. Well, look, today we're going to talk about two stocks that I personally own. Uh, one is a very large for, position for me. The other one used to be a large position for me but isn't so much anymore, unfortunately, because the shares have come down quite a lot. Those two stocks are Alphabet and Meta Platforms. And Nirvan, do you own these stocks? Well, um, I have now, after not owning Alphabet, I've got synthetic positions in Alphabet. So I don't actually directly own them, but I do synthetically own them, which in other words means I've got options positions, which gives me long equivalent exposure to Alphabet. So I do own, actually, so you could say I do own some Alphabet. Um, Meta platforms, I would not touch that platform with very long poles. So uh, at least not yet. Um, but yeah, I'll cover it. I never say never. Uh, so yeah, maybe is the answer. My my sad history with Meta platforms, uh, which is obvious, which used to be Facebook, is that I started buying this company back in 2015. And for a long time, it did very, very well. And now all except like my very first purchase of it is in the red uh, because I've dollar cost average into this uh, for, you know, several times over the years. And so like I'm now overall, I'm down in my position. And I started buying this stock like seven, seven or eight years ago. So it's been a, it's been a minute. Can, can I gloat a little bit on this? So I've, uh, so I'm going to gloat a little bit. And this is where, you know, um, sometimes, uh, what is it called? Luck shines on you. So I bought, I think I bought Facebook in 2012 or right, very soonish after IPO when it crashed uh, from whatever, $40 to like $25. I bought, and I, I bought actually averaged on the way up. Um, and then when the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened, that's when I sold all out. Basically, my indications were this is not good. Apple was tightening on, uh, on privacy. And in my mind, privacy was a really big deal that I think would become an even bigger deal over time, but it was not yet recognized as a big force at that time. So I actually made a lot of money on Facebook. So thank you, Zuckerberg, for that. Um, and I got out. And so far, has worked out well. Yeah, so far, that was a very good decision. Uh, shareholders of Meta, which is, like I said, is, is myself is included in there, have had a rough year. Shares of the social media giants have tumbled more than 70 percent that's seven zero percent year to date that was only exacerbated when the company reported its third quarter results which was as we're recording this about a week ago and about the time uh the listeners are listening uh could be closer to two weeks uh the numbers paint a harsh story uh revenue fell here actually we have some of these uh we we have some of these screens we can share if you're following along on youtube but uh the numbers 
the numbers revenue fell about four percent to twenty seven point uh, about twenty seven point seven billion dollars uh, in the quarter. Uh, this is advertising revenue, which is like ninety nine percent of the revenue. Uh, that's okay. It fell four percent. Uh, that's you know a range of macro factors. Uh, you know, lapping uh, some some tougher comps from last year. Uh, there's a range of factors there. I'm not too worried about the revenue falling. The problem comes with this net income. Net income, uh, earnings per share fell 49%. Net income fell 52% to $4.4 billion. That's from a year ago, that was over $9 billion. Uh, that's, that's a concern. R&D and operating expenses are, you know, they continue to multiply uh, as CEO Mark Zuckerberg continues to sink money into his metaverse projects and AI and ML capabilities. Um, there might be some good news after all that bad news, and there's a lot of bad news, but there might be some good news that the platform still isn't losing a lot of users. Um, Anirban, what's going on? What's the meta with Facebook? <laughs> Well, well, you 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 you've already uh, highlighted. So basically, the company Meta is uh, spending even more like more than like a drunken sailor would. It's spending basically everything that it can and more uh, into various things. Now, I think there are a couple of things that are happening. One is that it it seems at a high level it might be easy to say, "Oh, they're spending all of this on you know the metaverse." But I have a different take on this. I think they are spending maybe about 50% on trying to get to the metaverse and the remaining 50% to actually hold ground. And so here's a, here's a curious thing, right? Every conference call that I read, uh, whether it is uh, you know alphabets or whether it is um, metas, they all seem to say, oh, engagement is fine, right? Engagement, their engagement is not suffering. But we all know that TikTok and other applications are really, you know, the cause of a lot of the current pain. So if their engagement has gone up, somebody's engagement should be going down. Or somebody's engagement kind of should suffer, right? So one of the ways to think about it is that, you know, maybe it depends on how you're measuring engagement, you know, the good engagement maybe is down. That's one way of looking at it. And the reason I suspect this, uh, the reason my suspicion is this, that, you know, my thinking has some, uh, has some validity is that the word I hear uh, on the conference call is we are spending on AI infrastructure. To me, that means you're spending in a lot of, you know, uh, NVIDIA hardware, a lot on software, your R&D expense for Facebook is like, it's gone up like crazy and it's going up like crazy, which means you're really hoping that you you know that you can catch up with the yeah so that this is a brilliant chart look at this 33% of your revenue uh, is actually now r&d right versus it used to be 20% 22% in like 2020 that's a huge change yeah what r&d just uh, it's, it's, rose to 9.1 billion dollars that's a 45% increase year Increase. over year right so and and it is a lot of this is being talked about in as i said on this ai infrastructure to me that means is they are all trying to play these these platforms are trying to play catch up with tiktok 
in terms of TikTok's ability to recommend these short form videos that's keeping people longer and longer on the platform. And, and this is just AI catch up to or recommendation engines or whatever you call it. It's not actually fancy AI. They're not really solving uh, you know, artificial general intelligence or anything like that. They're actually just playing catch up. That would be my guess. I would say the same story actually applies to some extent for uh, you know, YouTube and some of the AI, expen uh, AI expenses that Alphabet is taking on. I think they're, you know, to some extent they've been caught, you know, maybe in, you're just doing caught double surprise by TikTok. That's my guess. I'm just taking a guess here because nobody's going to say this, uh, but that's my guess. And that's what's happening. Uh, and then you know, the other aspect, um, you know, is the spending on, on, on sort of the meta platform platform and the four or five different things that are happening there that Zuckerberg talked uh, talked about in the call. We can cover that later. The one thing I'll, uh, you know, you mentioned high level uh, data points. I think the most scary data point to me from Facebook's report was basically free cash flow was zero, <laughs> right? Free cash flow has basically collapsed completely. So, you know, and, comp and that's why the shares have collapsed is the, you know, enterprise value is basically the sum total of the future free cash flow basically right now it's very difficult to, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the chart. So yeah, this so, is what it's so, like. So if you're, if you're listening, uh, we're showing their free, free cash flow reconciliation over the last several quarters. This quarter, it came in at $173 million. A year ago, that was $9.5 billion. So to a Nearbond point, that has pretty much just disappeared. And uh, Nearbond, like that is due to, the capex. I mean, the capex spending is just off the charts. A year ago, year to date, in 2021, at this point, it was capex was 13.7 billion dollars. This year, it was 22.8 billion dollars. You know, that is a significant increase in capex over the last year. Yeah. So, and and just to go, then because you've got the slide to round that point. I mean, one of the things to think about here is that capex. A lot of this capex is, I think, is like you know, you know, uh, hardware. You know, they're basically spending on data centers, right? And stuff that they're putting into the data centers. So it's like you know, hardware from Arista. Some companies are actually benefiting. Arista Networks, Nvidia, uh, lots of servers are going into their things. The thing I ask myself is that this is really, to me, it is is this you know future uh, expenses or you know catch up? I think it's catch up. The other thing I think about when I look at these numbers is they have no real way of amortizing this other than right now on advertising revenue, right? So this is not, and again, you know, compare and contrast with, with Alphabet, when Alphabet is putting in this, you know, infrastructure and data center, it's actually going to try to, you know, make up for some of that via say GCP revenues. Right, so Google Cloud Platform revenues are actually going to be—they're going to be able to basically have multiple uses for the infrastructure they're building. These guys, Meta, only has actually one use of that infrastructure, which is effectively to uh, to generate advertising revenue. So I think there is something there about how the capex is working and what the utility of the capex is is, is more limited, and therefore they need to really be right on that those things that they're betting on to get the full benefit. Otherwise, you know, from the call when I was reading, they really don't know, as they said in multiple times, their CFO and, uh, or the outgoing uh, CFO um, and the incoming CFO and Mark Tewell, they said, you don't really know. They really, I don't think they understand. They, the word of return on investment was unclear. 
to them. They're just investing, which again, to me, reinforces the point that this is catch up and they really don't know whether there's going to be a return on investment on these things. Yeah, that's so that, that's an interesting point. So let's let's just uh, go through the numbers real quick. Um, you know, this year, Meta plans to spend 32 to 33 billion dollars in CapEx. Um, that was largely expected. I think what caught the market off guard was their eye-watering CapEx for next year, which was 34 to 39 billion dollars. So it's going up again, right? So um, like and they were like eventually, you know, we think CapEx is going to decrease as a percentage of revenue over the long term. All right, <laughs> you know, but that's like that doesn't do much for uh, you know, one, what is the long term and and two, how much is it going to decrease, right? So I I do there's a lot of uneasiness there. Um in 2023, Meta estimates its total expenses will be in the range of 96 to 101 billion dollars. That's like if you, you take the midpoint of that and you take the midpoint of this year's projected range of 86 billion dollars, that's about a 15% rise. Uh, next year's estimates include some one-time charges, such as $2 billion for consoli consolidating office space and things like that, but a lot of it comes from its growing headcount. So Meta now employs a workforce of 87,000. That's a 28% increase year over year, and a lot of next year's rise in operating expenses are coming from the hires that they made at some point this year, but next year will get that, you know, a full year salary. Um the good news on that front is that like, uh, you know, the CF, CFO, Dave Winter, you know, he kind of said, look, our pace of hiring has slowed in third quarter and we're basically, we're done hiring. We expect our headcount now to be basically the same at the end of 2023. So that's something, you know, for, for shareholders to look at. Uh, like we said, we already talked about R&D, that rose to $9.1 billion. That's a 45% increase over last year. I mean, so these numbers are just like, they really are high-watering. I mean, and as a shareholder, uh, the guidance for CapEx and operating expenses next year uh, was kind of like a punch to the gut, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, so I agree. I think, so basically... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go no, ahead, please. No, no, I think, yeah, shareholders, I think just really need to ask, are these costs worth it? Um, I have a few thoughts on that. You know, um, Zuckerberg says the company's focusing its spending on a small number of high priority growth areas. Uh, that includes like one, it's AI discovery engine that powers what it plat uh, what its platforms like recommend to users. Uh, you know, and then it's ads and business messaging platforms. And then third and final, his vision of the metaverse. So I think, you know, if you're a shareholder, you go through those three things and you figure out like, are these things worth it to, to spend on? Uh, so I'm, on two of them, so, and what I, what, I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know, give it away, but like on two of them, like, I think it is worth it. And I think they have to do what they're doing. The third one, the metaverse, I'm, I'm still really not sold on, but the AI discovery engine, right? Um, engagement trends on the family of apps, which is, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and uh, Messenger, they do seem to be strong. They're not dying platforms. Uh, you know, Dave Winter, he said that the aggregate time spent on Instagram and Facebook is up, and that's both internationally and the U.S. Uh, Zuckerberg said they have data that indicates they're gaining market share on TikTok. Um, more than 140 billion Reels videos are now played daily. That's a 50% increase from just six months ago. 
uh, reels are shared a billion times a day and the DMs on Instagram alone. Uh, anecdotally, I will say uh, I contribute to this. Like I, I mean, I've said this before, but I got Instagram just for, to kind of monitor my, um, my oldest uh, account when he got an Instagram account. And I got on there and I didn't understand at all. I felt old. I'm like, I don't understand any of this. And I never really got on. And I would just periodically check on his own, his account every few months. And then like once I went on and I found a reel and I just started watching reels. And that used to be all I would do on the platform. Every once in a while, just watch some reels. Now I'm probably on every day. And not only do I watch reels, I'm on the stories. I'm on, I'm going through the feed and I'm, I'm, I'm it, the, the AI discovery engine, see, it works for me. They know what I like and they send me that content. That's all, that's one person <laughs> in a fraction, but just anecdotally, that does make sense to me that it's uh discovery engine seems to be pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, the, here's a quote from Zuckerberg. He said, our AI discovery engine is playing an increasingly important role across our products, especially as advances enable us to recommend more interesting content from across our networks and feeds that used to be primarily driven just by the people and accounts we follow. I expect a few things to set our products apart here. First is that our discovery engine works, work allows us to recommend all types of content. So it's not just reels. You know, that includes photos, text, links, communities, short and long form videos, and more. And second is that we can mix this content alongside posts from your family and friends, which can't be generated by AI alone. Um, so I, I'm going to say like on that level, like a nearby, so like Apple changed their iOS policies last year and they finally lapped that, but they, that basically takes a, you know, a 10 billion chunk out of their revenue uh, a year right? Like that's how, that's what they estimated it to be. So given that, um, you know, Facebook had to improve like what it knew about people. And if the way to do that is to invest heavily in AI, um, I don't know if that's a bad bet as expensive as it is. Yeah. So I, I don't disagree with you. Um, so how do I put it? So as I sort of indicated earlier, to me, saying that if I'm going to spend on a recommendation engine billions and tens and tens of billions of dollars on recommendation engine, that just tells me that you've fallen behind and you're just playing catch up. And that's that's just a plain and simple. So in right, right now, they have, like my favorite well, thing to that say is- they fell is, behind or that Apple changed the rules? No, no. So that's different. So Apple changing the rules is more about um, sort of recognizing- uh, you know, the return investment on advertising. So that's different in my view to pushing people stuff based on, so that the investment on AI infrastructure has got nothing to do. That's not the ad measurement engine or the efficacy of ad. That's separate investment that they're making. I think that's a much smaller investment compared to their AI. Their AI investment is basically pure catch up in my opinion with the other big thing TikTok. called TikTok. Yeah. yeah, that's my guess. Nobody's going to say this, but I think that's what it is. Sure. Um, and and in, in a way, like I've always said this, like, you know, they're basically the you know, Yahoo of the modern generation. They have no choice but to kind of do this because if they don't, they're dead uh, yeah. eventually. Uh, and if if they do, they maybe can live, uh, right? So, and, and, and how well they can, but it's going to cost them a lot of money to get there. The, the things, I think from an investor's point of view, a couple of things to think about, right? You have to, so one of the things you have to think about is what is the normal cadence of expense 
expenditure that this company is going to have to actually generate content, you know, make con make enough recommendations that people stick to a platform, spend enough time. Now, if I take a very, very meta view of this, then uh, one of the bigger problems they've got, like, and it's not, I think, it's growth days are basically over, right? So I'll come to that point now and explain why I think it's growth days are over. It's basically got as many people as you can potentially have in, if you think about it, it's got like 180 million, whatever people in the, on the US, that number, or 170 million, that number has roughly been flat or is, you know, a little bit up, a little bit down. Numbers are declining in terms of its exposure to Europe, right? And the rest of the world it is gaining, but that's not really a big ad market. So you can gain a lot of people's time in those markets, but those are not actually generating significant ads. However you look at it, there is a finite number of people that are going to be on these platforms. There's a finite amount of time people are going to spend on these platforms. And everybody's competing for those amount amount of time and that therefore proportionally really valuable. That time is really that, valuable. That time. Right. And 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 there is constantly new applications and new things and new fads coming that is going to compete. So there's always going to be some investment needed and some steady cadence investment. In other words, it is going to be very difficult for them to significantly grow the ad revenue from the platform without destroying experience. Like, I mean, you can stuff more ads, which is gonna destroy your experience, uh, or you'll have to do more commerce, which might disturb, you know, destroy your experience. I think there is only, you can get so much growth once you have sort of hit that saturation level. So they're basically at a saturation level in terms of users, right? And it's, co it's competing for time, which is really hard when you've got all these other um, uh, platforms that, you know, people are, interested in because it's, you know, the current fad and things like that. I think that's the challenge they've got, which, which means that they have to spend heavily and B, which means that they need to find the next thing, which, you know, which is why Zuckerberg is, he's, you know, he's, do, he's doing the right thing in a, in a way because he's seeing that, well, this is saturated. There's got too much competition. There's only so many dollars you can win. There's only so much time that you can get. There's so much scrutiny. You know, it's very hard to compete. It's anybody can write an app because you know that you know you just it's an application layer, uh, and so you got to spend on other things, right? So, uh, and I think that's just the longer term story here for Facebook is that the growth days, in my opinion, basically gone. And and, and if you think about growth days, in just not even in terms of uh, revenue, but just in terms of free cash flow growth, it's just going to be very hard to see you know, free cash flow growing steadily without constant investment, right? So that brings us to then the next piece that they're spending on, which is the metaverse. Well, hold on, I'm gonna say that for last because the next one is their ad and messaging platforms. Uh, so there's three they listed. We did the first one, the AI discovery engine, but let's do the ad and messaging platforms next. Um, all right, so Apple's iOS policy changes um, last year, they took like a, like a $10 billion chunk out of Meta's annual revenue. That's how they estimated it. And a lot of Meta spend is now going to improve its probabil probabilistically based ad targeting model. Um, so there's a few things they mentioned. Uh, they talked about Advantage Plus. That's a product that is, quote, enabled by machine learning that helps clients test, learn, and optimize their campaigns faster. Uh, while acknowledging it's early in the game, management stated that a recent test saw a 32% increase in return on ad spend for advertisers using the tool. For what it's, reached, for what it's worth, um, I reached out to a few online advertising 
uh, agents I know and if they've used this, yes. And, and one of them got back to me and said like, he did use it and it was a very positive experience. Um, messaging was another major revenue stream opportunity with click to messaging ads. Uh, these allow businesses that run ads on Facebook or Instagram to communicate with customers directly on Messenger and WhatsApp. Um, they're at a $9 billion annual revenue run rate now. Uh, it's one of Meta's fastest growing product. A click to WhatsApp specifically passed a $1.5 billion revenue run rate and it's growing more than 80% uh, per year. Um, you know, they talked about like, uh, here, here's a, a quick quote from Zuckerberg. We're putting, that in the, we're putting the foundation in place now to scale this with key partnerships like Salesforce, which lets all businesses on their platform use WhatsApp as the main messaging service to answer customer questions, send updates, and sell directly in chat. You know, interestingly, WhatsApp, you know, has 2 billion uh, daily users now, and its fastest growing market is North America. And so I'll yes. say, like, money spent here, like, you have to spend money here, right? I mean, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, but my point, I, so I think I don't separate the point one and point two because to me, they're basically one. So I think, okay, it's one thing to say that, you know, uh, so, okay, let me backtrack. Zuckerberg likes to complain about Apple a lot. Uh, clearly, he didn't build as valuable a company as Apple, so, you know, it's, it's nice to complain about Apple. Um, he still uses, I think, a MacBook and probably uses an iPhone, so that says a lot about what Apple really is. <laughs> I'm sure Tim Cook does not use <laughs> uh, Facebook. Uh, so, right, anyways, let's right. put, put uh, putting that aside. Putting that aside, I think the thing to think about is, see, return on, in so what the ad, you know, you know, whether or not the ads are effective, how do you measure them? Those sort of things got broken. You fix them. The thing that I'm looking at is basically look at the average revenue per person for the family of apps, right? That is going to be extremely difficult to grow because if you look at the last eight quarters, you know, it's it's roughly in that 750, 760 range, which is where it is today, right? And the reason that it's going to be extremely hard to grow is there's only so much ads you can stuff to that base of users, which is fully saturated. I think that's the problem. I think the bigger problem basically is that the user base is saturated and there's only so much time people have. And in many ways, the pandemic probably was an anomaly because it allowed people to spend all this extraneous amounts of time on online platforms, which they no longer are spending, right? So I, I think that's the challenge. I think right now, I'll just go back to what I was saying. I think the spending is not about growing. The, the spending is more about staying alive and not losing relevance over time. I think that's what the spending is all about. So the AI recommendation engines and all are, are designed just to, the, I mean, the AI engine, it is recommending you content, but it's all about ads still, right? It's recommending you oh, content. Yeah, all so about that, right. The, the it's all you about get, ads. You recommend good content so people stay on and they can see more ads. That's all it's about. So it's, it's, you know, and I, yeah, and I think, and I think the measurement angle is is I think secondary, <laughs> in my opinion, because right. you it's only so so much you can take this. So right now seven dollars fifty, uh, you know, in Q three of twenty it was six dollars something, and Q four was eight dollars sixty, right? I mean, you know, maybe you can increase it by a dollar, uh, and 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 over over you know over so many billions of people it makes a difference. But it's I think the combination of saturated user base so much time and tough comp comp competition, a lot of competition in the environment, which is making it just requiring all these investments. And um, yeah, uh, you know, 
that's my take. I think it's basically about you know maintaining, not growing. Right? It's trying to maintain the seven fifty, seven eighty. You know, maybe go to eight dollars, eight dollars from seven fifty. And it's not about going. There's no way it goes from eight to sixteen. Is the other way I'm putting it. You can't take the average is not going to go to sixty for uh, the family of apps. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't. I, I still think they have optionality where you can tie commerce right into the platforms. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to like put necessarily put a cap on it or anything. Say it can't reach a certain number. I, I, I am putting a cap. Tail, the long tail <laughs> of like possibilities. Like I, I do think that's in there somewhere. Um, but let's talk about the metaverse. Uh, you know, th this this is probably where I messed up. This, so this is where I feel like in retrospect, and uh, I obviously did not see this at the time, unfortunately, but but uh, about a year ago, when they changed the company's name, they changed the ticker and said, this is where we're going in the future. That should have been like, well, this changes the thesis. And it, I knew it did, but I, I don't think I, I didn't get enough credit or it was, uh, you know, you know, I just maybe because I held shares, like my bias was too strong. I'm not sure. But this is where my faith in Zuckerberg grows thin. Uh, this just seems like a long, cruel march of throwing money at a solution for a problem that I don't even think most people believe exists. Uh, you know, look, it is this quarter they did announce partnerships with the likes of Microsoft, uh, Adobe, Autodesk, and Zoom to be integrated into Oculus. Uh, and those are important apps that the next computing platform will clearly need to incorporate. Still, it, it just seems like such a lofty goal. Like Zuckerberg makes statements like this, right? He goes, this from the conference call. There are 200 million people who get new PCs every year, mostly for work. Our goal for the Quest Pro line over the next several years is to enable more and more of these people to get their work done in virtual and mixed reality, eventually even better than they could on PCs. That just seems like a very tall, very ambitious order that I just, I just don't see. Uh, you know, now, again, we talked about like where all their money is going. This is not where all the money is going. And I think there might be like some confusion on that note, but a lot of money is going here, right? I mean, we talked about R&D and a lot of that R&D was to here. Um, yeah. So, no. So I think 50% of the money is going here. If I have to say, I would say 50% is going playing catch up uh, with TikTok and company. 50% of the money is going here. Uh, that would be my guess. Look, so if you're Zuckerberg, what do you do? You, uh, basically, I, I think if, if, if my thesis is this is the Yahoo is correct, which probably what he thinks it is, then to be not the Yahoo, you have to invent the next thing. Otherwise you are the Yahoo. Yeah, it's, it, I think that's the problem that they've got. It's, so I think at, at a high level, Facebook as a company is probably, it's, you know, as he has acknowledged now that they don't control the tech stack. They don't, they basically don't control a lot of the experience, right? So, they, you know, they're working through the gateways of Google and Apple, uh, you know, and those are the two most valuable gateways that you have. You don't control, the, and because you don't control the gateways, you don't control the user experience, you don't have, you uh, you know, a lot of say, it's not just about, you know, whether they got, you know, dinged in how many ads they can show or how they can track users and, you know, whether they can continue violating users' privacy and things like that. It's not that. It's just they don't, you know, they don't yeah, have absolutely. the tech chops. They, they don't control the gateway, like you said. And he yeah he wants to control the next gateway. And I just... He wants he wants to control the next gateway. And I think that, I mean, in his position, that's what you want to do. It makes sense in theory. It makes sense in theory. Yeah. Yes. 
It makes sense in theory, I think. And but in my opinion, that life. is probably what we don't know. He doesn't know, I think. And he, but I think he has no choice, is what I'm saying. Because in my mind, like if you are an app, you become irrelevant at some time. Basically, <laughs> that is the story of apps. They become irrelevant over time uh, because you can't evolve an app to become the new thing. Something new shows up, it becomes the one. That's why being a platform owner through which you purvey apps is very useful because you can keep purveying the new thing. The other thing that, that happens to app owners is that because you're only in innovating typically at one layer, you don't control the other layers of technology. Your technology landscape knowledge is also you know, narrower, right? Your, your ability to influence how technology moves across different spectrums is also narrower. That's what I he's trying to, to change. I have to, so when you say that about apps again, like if you're an app, like... Well, you, your apps, I think, have limited life. Like apps have limited lifetime. Because I would apps say the are vast in... majority, the vast, vast majority, that's that's true. But there are a few exceptional ones that seem to maybe transcend that. So, which app can you think of that has existed for you know? Which app do you think of has existed for 10, 15 years? And you can take a very broad view of what's well, an app. I, I mean, I feel the Microsoft Excel, uh, uh, Photoshop. Uh, you know, uh, and, like I'm just enterprise. YouTube, you consider YouTube and so most of the stuff that you just mentioned mentioned have very deep enterprise roots. Right, but it's still apps. Yeah, but but the enterprise apps have much longer legs than you know consumer consumer apps. Would you consider, would you consider YouTube? YouTube is an app. Yeah, YouTube is an app. Has been around, uh, you know, for ten years now, and uh, you strong. know, we'll still talk about strong. it in a second. What a, what yeah, a, so, so in a second, yeah, but but I think it is. I think messaging apps, messaging platforms. We have seen so many of them come and go, um, you know. And I, I think it's wrong to think that network effects are super strong. That they, that's something that feeds and creates strength. I mean, you know, MySpace was pretty big in its time for its time. Orkut was pretty big for its time. Uh, MySpace and, was pretty big, but it's not even close in comparison on the scale that that Facebook is or Instagram is or Messenger or yeah. WhatsApp. Yeah. So I, I just think I just think that, you know, uh, I, I think he's right to want to control platform because I think he knows that, you know, apps probably do not live for that long. Uh, I, I, that's my view. And, and um, so, you know, so, so for interest, interestingly, for example, right, is that here's the way to think about it, right? So uh, WhatsApp is very popular in India. Uh, but, uh, you know, guess which company is growing, uh, you know, very strongly right now in India. That's a company called Apple. <laughs> so, uh, you, see, you know, this is, this is the problem, right? I mean, I think free stuff is, you know, people use free stuff for some time and then, you know, they're using it because, well, did they, you know, they don't have access to the nice blue looking thing. When the blue looking thing becomes available, they just change to the blue because it's status symbol, right? They don't. You know, status symbol matters to a lot sure. of people. So, so, anyways, but I think you know, let's talk about metaverse. Well, and, hold on. Uh, so, like, I just want to like, like, my line has always been, uh, if the uh, if the family of apps stays strong, showing positive user growth, uh, good engagement trends, everything else can be worked out. I, I at this point in time, I, I I think that's true. Look, look, a year ago, I remember right after the big meta like analyst day where they talked about changing the name of the company and their metaverse vision and everything like that. 
uh, I was doing a Twitter space and, and Trevor Scott was on, you know, if you don't know him on Twitter, uh, you know, he, he's a great investor and he had a big position in Facebook and he was, he said, this changes the thesis, I'm out. And I took the other, you know, I took the, the other way. I held on to my shares. He made the right choice from that point on. I, you yeah. know, I, I can't go back in time, right? And shareholders can't go back in time to there and, and, and change the decision they made. I do think from this point on, given the user growth, given the engagement trends, I I think the right answer is to hold on shares at this point. Uh, you know, yes, the value, you know, we can talk about, we, didn't even, we don't even need to talk about the valuation because earnings are coming down so much. I, I don't even think it's too relevant. I just think like this, the family of apps is a big money maker. And as long as that stays strong and it doesn't show signs of cracking, I think you hold on to your shares from them. Um, but we can, we can, we can move on to Alphabet, unless you want to rebut that. Oh uh, no, like you know, um, yeah. So, so right now, in my my view, Meta is basically like you're making a bet that the free cash flow is going to come back, and if the free cash flow even comes back to half of what it used to be, which probably would be like a pretty normal. I, I mean, some of the you know the operating margins that they had was ridiculous and it was unsustainable. It's a get half of that and they, you know, slowly sort of maintain that for some time. I think it's probably, you know, at some point fairly valued. So I wouldn't argue, is this a stock I'm rushing to buy? No, uh, yeah. I would not be rushing. This is not a stock that I would rush to buy uh, at all. But yeah, I'd be in a high risk basket. That's what I think about it. But uh, I have one comment about that graph that you put, you know, I find, um, so that, you know, they, Curiously, I think they always do this. If they give you the the family of app active daily active users, right? And that number seems to be trending up. Then, if you look at the sort of the Facebook daily active users numbers, they provide that separately. And it seems like basically they've held pretty steady in in U.S., Canada, and and Europe. Most of their gains in numbers, though, seems to be coming from places where don't are not very heavily revenue generating. The rest of the world, Asia Pacific, and things like that, um, which is what I was alluding to before, is that you know there's a there's a bit of an element of saturation that they're dealing with, which isn't surprising at all. Uh, no, no, not at all. Not for that scale, not at all. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Alphabet. Let's let's move on. Uh, we we could probably talk about Facebook another hour. Uh, so Alphabet uh, revenues rose six percent year over year to, to basically sixty nine billion dollars. Uh, a lot of that, or a lot of the slower growth, was due to just lapping incredibly tough comps from last year's third quarter when revenue rose forty one percent. Google search revenue was up in the high single digits. YouTube ads revenue came down just a just a smidge. Uh, I think a lot of people were concerned about that. Uh, Google Cloud revenue, I think, grew 38% year over year. It's still contributing uh, losses to the bottom line, but the top line's still growing very, at a very healthy clip. And Nirvan, what do you think of Alphabet's quarter here? Well, it was, was not a good quarter, uh, was my first take. Um, so at a very high level, I think what they saw was not, I mean, as you said, they were lapping uh, some difficult compares. They This quarter, again, showed us that look, you know, it's alphabet is not immune to economic uh, downturn. It's not immune to those things. And I think uh, we see that, we saw that, so, you know, the way to see that is the revenue growth basically, you know, stalled. 
And at the same time, their expenses have ballooned, resulting in significant pressure in operating margins. Operating margins dropped from 32% or to 25%. Yes. That's pretty significant. And earnings like basically, you know, went backwards by 40% or something like that. Yeah, That's earnings pretty... per share fall from $1.40 to $1.06. So definitely. Yeah. Thirty percent ish drop, yeah. yeah. So and free cash cash flow also, I think, went down. So I mean, the results were not great. The and you know a lot of the similar story in terms of pressures. I guess you know one of the things to think about here is both. You know, um, that's, a, that's a chart. I was going to talk about. Yeah, well, we can talk about this. Do you want to talk about this chart now? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was trying to help you out there, but yeah, do you? Yeah, you no, no, no. yeah. Well, I I could talk about this chart too. So this is this is an interesting chart. This just looks at you know the last five years, and it basically looks at free cash flow change over the past five years. So free cash flow has actually grown very nicely over this period. You know, 160 odd percent. Um, it's up, and in the same time. Their share count is also actually down, although only modestly, about seven percent. So you know they're buying back shares, but they're also printing shares via dilution, uh, and share price is actually up only seventy percent. Normally, if assuming the starting point was close to fair value, you'd expect uh, the share price to sort of track the the free cash flow uh, growth, um, and you know, assuming that the the but you know, you could always say that it was it was Alphabet stock has always been more expensive than uh, you know other stocks. So probably there's an element of that uh, that is showing. But there's something to think about is that there's a big disconnect between, and you can look at it over longer periods of time as well. There's a big disconnect now between sort of free cash flow change and price change. Um, uh, over time, so that's something to keep. So you know, you know, indirectly, you could say that if if they get their costs under control, which is something that you know, uh, uh, Sundar Pinchai and others have mentioned in the call, uh, then you know things could change. The um, the one thing I want to point out this is this this is about capital allocation. And while we think that some people are doing great jobs of capital allocation, I think some management teams have a tendency to overspend. Um, you know, if you if you hired a lot of people and then you have to fire a lot of people, that basically just shows that you were just hiring uh, because your revenues are going up and now you're firing because your revenues are going down, right? It's just a bad look and it's just poor capital allocation. You know, and it's the type of capital allocation that you're doing. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's one thing. The final thing at a very high level I want to mention is much like how the Federal Reserve's uh, interest rate hikes work. There's always a lag between the hike and the effect. This is the same sort of story with a lot of these companies that spend like crazy, right? They spent like crazy. They've over overfilled their pipe with people. They've you know they've got too much capex going on. Now they're cutting back. It'll take some time for that cutbacks to work. Potentially, it'll take one year, one and a half years for those things to work out. By that time, the economy probably would have recovered. So you probably get into a boom period when costs are under control. And uh, you know, advertisers are back in in full force. So that's that's you know something to keep in mind. Yeah, you know, um, you, you brought up a lot of interesting points. So so one, I'm gonna say, I didn't think it was as bad of a quarter as you did. I think they were lapping in really strong growth from last year, uh, really strong, forty one percent year over year last year. It was a strong U.S. dollar that you had going against you too. Um, you have so like some macro uncertainties out there. Uh, so, like, given all that, uh, I mean, I didn't think it was a good quarter. I just, I just thought it was, you know, I just, yeah. it was okay. It was meh. Can, uh, can, can I, 
can I just quickly, so I, I didn't mean to say from a revenue growth point of view, actually, I agree with you. It's not a bad quarter. When I said it's bad results, I basically I'm talking about the capital allocation part, which is, you know, if your revenue goes up 6%, your you shouldn't see your operating uh, income go down those many percentage points. That's just bad capital allocation, right? So I'm just, I'm saying it's bad from that point of view. The fact that the revenue only grew so much or 11% or 12% on a, on a currency neutral basis, that's fine, actually. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, but I think they made some bad decisions. It's just, I think it just highlights that. Uh, that, that might be the case. And I think they, they kind of alluded to that, right? In the conference call, he goes, yes. Uh, you know, where's, where's this quote <laughs> I'm looking for? Like, hey, yeah. this, I love this quote. He goes, we've had uh, the CEO, Sundar Punchai, we, we've had periods of extraordinary growth. And then there are periods where I viewed it as a moment where you take the time to optimize the company to make sure we are set up for the next decade of growth ahead. I view this yeah. as one of those moments. <laughs> like, so yes. I just thought it was like, yes. you know, yeah. we've had those moments of extraordinary growth, almost like saying, yeah, we don't, we don't really pay attention to expenses during these periods yeah. of extraordinary growth, but there's times when you like, we got to set ourselves, we got to optimize a little bit. Um, you know, I do think like given everything with the macro uncertainty out there, everything else we said, uh, you know, it, it, Philip Schindler, uh, their, their chief business officer said, uh, you know, how search does well in bad economic times, at least compared to other advertising. He goes, in challenging times like these, advertisers are carefully evaluating the effectiveness of their budgets. Search tends to do relatively well in such an environment, given its strong measurability and focus on delivering return on investment also well suited to quickly adjust to changes in consumer behavior uh you know so i just think uh you, you know all things considered i i didn't think it was quite as bad of a quarter as you did i think even while they do acknowledge like yeah maybe expenses are getting out of control here and you know we talked about headcount for facebook and or meta you know we, we can definitely talk about headcount here too they have added fifty one thousand employees uh since i want to say the beginning of 2021 uh, he, they, they were kind of asked to say, hey, uh, you know, on the conference call, one of the analysts asked him like, hey, you're, you're talking about controlling expenses here, but you've added, you've hired 51,000 employees in the last year and a half or so. Like, you know, is, is this a good investment? And they kind of came back, well, talent's the most precious resource, but you know what? We're going to slow down hiring. So I think they're all saying like, hey, we, we've hired a lot. We, we've made our the hires we need to make and we're, 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 we're tightening our belt right now. Is that how you took the conference call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I agree with you in terms of, when I said bad quota, I'm just talking about a bad capital allocation. All those bad decisions that they've made, the business actually fundamentally is very strong. That part I do agree. And the search is very strong. And, and the power of the search uh, engine being the gateway for ads during difficult uh, times is very strong. Right. Um, those are definitely things that I took across. Actually, I, I think if I recall, I can't find my, my notes where I said, but I think they said somewhere in the call that they they plan to end 2023 with less people than they have now. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. So they, I, I, I think, I think that, it was yeah. that, I think that was Meta, not Google. Oh, it's Meta, not Google. Okay. Yeah, Maybe yeah, I think, but they did say uh, they were yeah. going to slow down. They were basically like, yeah, yeah, we're slowing down. We're yeah. slowing down. So, so um, a couple of things I want to read uh, read out actually because I have much better notes on this. Uh, 
So uh, when Sundar Pinchai says we are sharpening our focus on a clear set of products and business priorities, that basically means we kind of need to tighten our belt and just control our costs. That's the way I read that. The, this is the common thread. This, the next bit is a common thread between Meta and uh, an Alphabet, although it only impacts Alphabet uh, in a small way because of YouTube. So uh, one of the things that they say, uh, he says in his opening remarks is, including significant Im improvements to search powered by AI. So both of these companies are doing the same sort of investments. And then the next bit he says, new ways to monetize YouTube shorts. The fact that they're just laid side by side is a way of saying that you know, basically we want to make this more like TikTok and we want to, you, we want to catch up to those guys and we need to make some significant investments to get there, um, which will support creators and all those other things that they, they go on to. So, so that, that I think um, is an indication. Uh, okay, so yes, the headcount thing. Our Q4 headcount additions will be, sorry, this was about total additions. Uh, our Q4 headcount additions are going to be significantly lower than that in Q3. So they're still adding, uh, yeah, but they're going to yeah, be less. They're slowing down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Slowing down. Um, yeah, and moderating operating expenses in 2023, which again, I think is a good indication of what's going to happen in the, uh, in the, in the future, because, you know, by 2023, end of 2023, you'd expect things to maybe have normalized. And therefore, you know, when you combine, you know, better capital allocation, better cost management with improved conditions, I think you have a, you, you and then the compares are going to be a dollar four cents of uh, EPS, right? So you're going to compare against that. Right. It's going to look, oh, yeah, much, it's going to look, it's going to look stellar. You're going a dollar six EPS and you're going with a 6% revenue growth, right? So your, yeah. your, your comps next year are going to be, uh, so much easier, you know, to your point, uh, YouTube, just real quick, is that global viewers are now watching 700 million plus hours of YouTube content daily, uh, to your point about shorts, that's growing 1.5 billion users every month, 30 billion daily views. They said engagement strong, and they're going to start revenue sharing on shorts early neck in 2023 that when they do that, that update will make YouTube the only platform where creators can monetize their content across short, long, and live formats at scale. So there's just maybe something to that. Uh, what about Google Cloud revenues were 6.9 billion? That's up 38% year over year. Um, you know, it's reflecting uh, you know significant growth in both infrastructure and platform services. They saw you know still contributing an operating loss of 699 million dollars. Uh, and Irvan, you're you're the expert on cloud. How's Google Cloud doing? Actually, I thought Google Cloud's results was probably the brightest spot on the on their entire results. In any, and if you think about if you think about future and growth, I think that was fantastic because a couple of things. One is, I believe this number was actually the growth rate was higher than last quarter's growth rate, so it was a bit of an acceleration. And when you compare that with what Azure and um, and and Microsoft. Uh, so Microsoft Azure and AWS did, they actually significantly slowed down their growth rates, right? And of course, those are of a, of a much larger base. So, I mean, you know, GCP is actually doing something right here and it's gaining share, it looks like, over others, which is great. And uh, and maybe, you know, the, uh, uh, this is the point I was making with alongside Meta is when Google is investing on data centers and it's, you know, making AI-based investments, those, it can leverage across multiple different things. It can reverse for uh, surfacing better uh, recommendations on YouTube. 
so that people stick around longer. It can use that to fuel Google search ads. It can also use that to drive GCP, right? So it's got, you know, it's got uh, one, you know, multiple ways to cut the cookie, <laughs> which, which I think is really, really useful for them. Uh, so I, I thought it was good. The only negative I can think of is that while the revenue is growing, the losses are also widening. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe that's neither here. This was only a few hundred million, you know, a few hundred million here or there. Um, the other thing that I think worth keeping in mind is that their total remaining performance obligations. So this is the total committed contracts that they've got. Most of this is for GCP. Uh, is roughly fifty-four billion dollars. Fifty-four billion, right? That's how much contracts they have locked in. So these are going to be re realized in future, uh, in the future, and that grew at a much higher pace than the overall revenue. Right, so that grew, I think, at some fifty some percent, fifty six, fifty seven percent. Again, for Amazon, that's double. So Amazon's remaining performance obligations are around one hundred and four. But it gives you gives you a sense that Amazon's remaining performance obligations are about hundred billion. Google's is about fifty billion, but Google's revenue is significantly smaller. It tells you that Google has an opportunity to catch up to that scale over time. GCP. So I think this. I thought it was really bullish results so yeah i mean you know you said i, I thought it was bad i think in caveat i think google's results were not bad uh, google's cost management is bad but google's results were not bad uh and i think google's basic businesses the, you know you know whether it's search whether it's youtube whether it's android and you know uh, google uh, google uh google play store and it's various subscription businesses and i think they're all as as together doing well um, you know, in, in totality. That's what I thought. Um, I thought, so, you know, if, if you take a, I, I agree with you. I think Google Cloud has a, a really nice future. You know, just comparing, comparing the two companies we looked at tonight or, you know, in this episode, uh, Meta and, and Alphabet, uh, you, you know, probably the, the most, the, the, the best contrast you can give, I think, might be that, like this quarter, Alphabet delivered $16.1 billion in free cash flow, $16.1 billion. Uh, you know, we talked about how Meta's basically dips to zero. And, and look, you know, we gave a lot of reasons for that and how much it's going to rebound, uh, you know, et cetera. But Facebook's best quarter ever with free cash flow was about 12 billion, which was like a, the fourth quarter last year. Uh, I think it was the fourth yeah. quarter, $12 billion in free cash flow. So this is a very mad quarter for Alphabet. And they delivered $16.1 billion in free cash flow, 33% better than uh, Meta's best free, you know, more more free cash flow than Meta's ever had in any quarter in their history. So I, I think that's probably the, you know, the uh, biggest difference you can give. Let me ask you a question. What do you think? I'm curious what you say, because I have an answer for this. But what do you think is Alphabet's biggest disruptive threat? Or what is the biggest risk to Alphabet? Well, the, the biggest risk to Alphabet, the, the, there's covered a few different risks. So one is, of course, regulatory risk is very big, um, as as basically the monopoly platform uh, for monopoly platform gateway for mobile. Uh, I think that's the biggest risk. Uh, there, I think the other biggest risk is, which is the same as I think, is Meta is missing the next platform, right? Um, so, as I like to say, all of these companies are basically waiting for Apple to show its hand as to what they're working on that decides what the next wave, next platform is. And they're all going to, you know, the question is, who's going to be the fast follower here? Um, I think that's the other big risk is, 
to a lot of their business currently depends on uh, controlling platforms. Those, I think, are the, are the biggest risk. Although, I'd, again, I'll caveat that. I mean, it, you, know, you still need to do search, and as long as the paradigm for search doesn't change, it's a pretty strong position to be in. So, you know, what? So, I don't know. okay. So, this is what about Apple? Like the money it pays Apple to be the default search engine on Safari. So, I'm showing a headline here. Google estimated to be paying fifteen billion dollars. Uh, that was for this year to remain the default search engine on Safari. Is this a risk for Alphabet? Like one, like what if Apple decides like they, you know, they say, hey, we want 25 billion next year and Alphabet says no. Uh, you know, if, if, that, if that were to happen, what happens? Like does Apple create its own search engine or do they buy like a, a small one like DuckDuckGo or do they, you know, do they court offers from Microsoft for Bing? Is, is that a risk for, for Alphabet? Nah. I don't think so. I, I, I think this is like, you know, a traffic acquisition cost is really a small amount, right? I mean, if you think about it, like, I mean, basically Google is paying tax to a lot of people. So traffic acquisition cost it pays to a lot of other entities it's paying to basically acquire traffic. Um, I mean, it's total tax this quarter was what, $12 billion, right? So it's probably paying the, the order of like 40, $50 billion of tax. Is it a big deal? No, because I mean, you know, there's no, I think Google is so far ahead in, in search, so dominant in search, and it would take a lot of work to recreate that. And also it's not the core competency of a company like Apple. So who can recreate search? You know, there are only a few people that can do it. And it's question is, is it worth their dollars? And it's not really worth their dollars in that sense. So it's like, it's a, I don't know, it's a nice, um, nice, relationship they've got going that you know hey i want to make most of my money off devices that i sell to people and subscriptions that i sell to sell to people you want to make most of your money on ads i only want to make a small amount of money on ads in my little system it doesn't affect you they're kind of like happy with each other that way yeah <laughs> so right. i don't think that has, has, I, I has, think that's, has a risk at all i i think i mostly agree with you i just i do wonder what would happen if something were to happen with that relationship all right and second of all I want to ask you, like, you know, we've talked about Meta cutting back costs next year. We've talked about Alphabet, how they need to tighten their belt. Is big tech getting too soft? Like, I don't know if you remember, but like, uh, like after the 2000 bubble popped, there were stories like um, Microsoft was giving away free towels in their locker room and free sodas, and they had to cut all that stuff out. And I wonder, do you think big tech's going through something like that now? We've all seen those like TikTok videos where, uh, employees of one of the big tech companies are like a day in the life of, and they're like getting smoothies from the smoothie machine and, and frappuccinos from the frappuccino machine and, and the, a cocktail after work at the company bar going to the rooftop Vista overlooking San Francisco. And, you know, uh, I, I saw this tweet the other day uh, from Dan McMurphy on Twitter. He goes, true story earlier this year, he's talking about Facebook earlier this year, when the stock was getting smashed, I was at an event with a Facebook manager and I asked him if sentiment was off due to stock performance. So he whips out his internal Facebook channel. It was 100% upset comments due to the cancellation of employee laundry service. Is big tech too soft? Yeah, so I think I agree with you. Like as I, so I think I would separate this. I think there are indisciplined spenders. So Meta is one of them. 
Uh, I still don't have a very good handle on how actually Amazon decides to spend what it spends, but most of it, it spends is on physical assets. So that's a different type of spend. Amazon might be the uh, exception, I think. Amazon might be the exception. Well, the exception, there's only one exception in my mind in terms of how to generate cap, how to deploy capital, and that's Apple, right? Because, I mean, if you think about a free cash flow generation, uh, Google did they 60 billion. free cash flow, it doesn't matter to them, but do you still think like maybe there's a lot of expenses there too, no? <laughs> like, no, they're, they're very disciplined. Campus, so, they're... no, yes, yes, there's beautiful campus, but if you look at the total CapEx spend of those comp of Apple as a company, it is, you know, there's something to be learned from Tim Cook and his management and his approach to deploying capital. You can generate, so you, you know, it's not that these other companies do not generate revenue. It's that they, they spend, they think that spending a lot of money results in more revenue and more operating income. It actually does not because the delta that you get from spending these hundreds of billions of dollars actually becomes smaller and smaller, right? Um, the, uh, the, or the other way I, I would like to say is, again, I'll go back to another favorite company of mine. If you look at the CapEx spend of Meta, and it would seem like they're building cars, <laughs> but they're GM, but it's not because, you know, Tesla has less CapEx spend than Meta. How is that possible? You know, so, so I think there's something here about how the R&D expense of these, you know, some of these meta and, and Google work. And I think, you know, basically, some of the pinch is basically saying, yes, we've got this wrong and we've got to fix this. Because there's no reason, given the re level of revenue that Alphabet generates, that Alphabet's free cash flow shouldn't be 80, $85 billion, right? How come Apple could grow its revenue, its free cash flow 20%, whereas, you know, year over year, whereas Google's is shrinking? It just... It just is bad capital management is basically is 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 the I think the story, which is you know, and spending on laundry and parties and God knows what, you know. Uh, I, I think there is a bit of that, and it, it, there's a lot to be said about disciplined, you know, capital expenditure, whether it's on our, you know, you can you can hire all the engineers you want, but how many good engineers actually exist? You know. It's not that you you spend hundreds of millions of dollars and you're going to get all the you know you're going to get more engineers. Right. No, no, it's, I mean, talent, yeah, talent's a, a finite resource too, right? So it's talent, and good know. talent, great talent right, is a right, very very right, finite right. resource. So right. I think getting done, getting those great people and keeping them around and you know cultivating them, uh, or, or looking for that great talent elsewhere from the usual channels is what I think is is. Uh, is, is uh, I think, yeah. So I, I think that's, that's the thing. I mean, still, you know, 60, 70 billion dollars of free cash flow is a lot of free cash flow. It is a lot of free cash flow. Well, Anirban, thanks so much for uh, joining me today to talk about these two companies. Uh, if you're interested more in following me or Anirban, you can find us on Twitter or you can find us on seveninvesting.com. Um, for my co-host, Anirbal Mahanti, I'm Matthew Cochran, and we're here to help you, to empower you to invest in your future. Have a great day, everyone. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.